If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Right then, good evening, and welcome back to uh, Four Blades Still in Our Houses in Tier 3 as of the weekend, and we're going to cheer ourselves up talking about our beloved Blades. I'm John, and I'm joined tonight by uh, Ian. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, Dan, good evening. Hello, everyone. Christ. And Phil. <laughs> oh, it's lovely to hear Dan cheerful, isn't it? Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Aren't we all? And talking of trying, um, the Fulham game on Sunday, the second half, was particularly trying. Um, yeah, point at home to Fulham. Dan, what well, do you think? Well, my input on the Fulham game is going to be pretty much zero because uh, I didn't actually see it. Um, so any any input I've got is going to be more about the the whole the state of things in general. But I was I had one or two things to do on Sunday, and such is my um, mood about United and football in general that I really couldn't be bothered to make that much effort to watch it. To be honest, so I just uh, I watched it by the medium of Twitter and and you guys on WhatsApp, just kind of keeping me up to date. So. Unfortunately, I'm not. Uh, there's not much zeitgeist for me in terms of, uh, of Fulham. What I would say on WhatsApp, it was very quiet. I thought you asked yeah. for updates, and actually, I think we were just kind of uh, even the first half. I thought, given how relatively you know well we played first half, I wouldn't say we were all particularly effusive about it in, on WhatsApp. I don't know how you found at the other receiving end of it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're right. Not much. I mean, the, obviously there was obviously the goal and the missed penalty and stuff like that. I mean, I, I went out to take something down to the shed and came back in and, and Sal just said, your phone's been bonging. I wouldn't look if I was you. And I'm like, oh, fucking brilliant. Had a look. One nil down. Fantastic. So... Well, I, I wasn't spending much time on WhatsApp because I turned my phone off completely because I was about five minutes behind on my non-dodgy, dodgy stream that I'd got. Um, so you don't expect much from me you know, one of the things that's interesting that you said there Dan about not just about it being United just football in general I just yeah. and I never thought even in the past I'd watch a game it could be anybody playing it could be Scottish second division and if it yeah. were on LA I'd watch it yep. I just haven't got the wherewithal to put a game on I'll watch United when they're on if I've got it I'll watch yep. it, but I'm not. Someone had, uh, I can't, is it in good nick had raised a question on Friday or Saturday about people being nervous, and I responded with, I'm not, because I just don't feel any passion towards it at the moment, and it's horrible. Yeah. I don't like right. it. I, I don't think I've watched, I've not watched one match of the day this uh, this season so far. I've obviously watched the United games that I've been able to watch. I don't think I've watched maybe one or two other, other Premier League games. And I mean, Phil, you know, out of everyone on here, I've known you the longest. We've known each other the longest. You know what we were like 20 years ago. It was literally everything was football. You know, any bit of football that was on. I mean, you know, my missus has said the second her backside leaves the sofa to go and make a drink, after the cover to 401 or Sky Sports News or where it is, I've just got no appetite for it at the minute. Absolutely zero. Bad, isn't it? It is bad. It is bad. That's that said, though, I've got I've got to be honest. I, I watched the game, like I say, Sunday, and I thought first half after the first five ten minutes, I thought first half we were as close to being getting back to what we were 
as I've seen us for a long time. And uh, we'll come on to probably what didn't go right in a while, but things that did go right, I thought from the very back, I thought um, keeper started really, really well. I thought Ramsdale had a good game overall, but first half he set the tone with that save from Tom Kearney and the play got better and better as the half went along. I thought Sanderberg was unplayable at times. If only we'd got a finisher on, on the pitch that would if we'd only if we'd spent twenty four million pounds on a striker and he was on the pitch. <laughs> I mean, I, I heard Wilder's interview after where he said that he could have started Brewster, but he'd have only given he would he would have only given us fifty minutes. Uh, so obviously that's the that's the question. Do you bring him on with the idea that you take him off after fifty minutes, hopefully two or three up, or do you risk bringing him on after an hour? I actually don't mind the team we started with. I thought McBurney had a good game. I thought first half he had a good half for definite. But he just looks shot in front of goal. It's, I, don't, I don't know whether it's a mental thing or, or, or what, but he just doesn't seem to be able to buy a goal at the minute. Yeah, I think we're in. We're slowly approaching like McGoldrick territory with McBurney in the sense that you can afford him... You can afford him a bit of slack, in my opinion. Uh, I'm a big fan of him anyway. But at the same time, it's the same argument we had week after week last season um, with McGoldrick of, well, if he's not scoring and he's a striker, he, should be, he shouldn't be in the team. All I would say, I think that on Sunday was the first <laughs> version of McBurney we've had this season. Because uh, we talked about him not, he got injured pre-season, he'd not been up to it. He didn't have many minutes for Scotland when he went away, but obviously they would have trained at a reasonable intensity. Um, but I agree, Phil. I thought first half, if we just put, I think it's one of those, if we score in the first 10 minutes, we might have two or three up, like bang, 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 really, really quickly, because Fulham, Fulham conceded a lot of space, and yeah, they've got some nice little players, but they're not, they're not an amazing side by any stretch of the imagination. And I think, unfortunately, because we didn't put them to sword, I think they just grew in confidence. I, th- I think for all that, though, I still think we only really created one clear-cut chance first half. You know, one chance that you'd say, you've got to put away and bury. We got in good positions. We put balls across the box, or we took shots from angles where you know, or from distance that were, were comfortable. And that's still the biggest frustration that we had some good possession, some good movement. And it kind of just, there's times where you get on the ball and you, even in second half, you burgers on the ball and you're thinking, just take a, take a shot from there. It's opened up. Just, just have a go. And we, but we're not doing anything nearer to the goal. We're not putting that quality final ball in or we're not... <laughs> we're not creating the chances where someone's having a shot within the penalty area enough. And and that's for, for all the positivity of the first half and saying, yeah, we could have been two or three up. We could have, but for me, we had one very good chance. The rest are still half, three quarter chances at best. I suppose my, my only argument to that, Ian, is in the Premier League, all right, I know it's Fulham, but in the Premier League, how many golden opportunities do you get? You don't get many. No, and and I mean the header he should score the the, the yeah. second header the one that hits his shoulder. I, I would say that the the one early on from Basham's cross is a pretty good chance. You'd at least expect him to hit the target. 
Yeah. And there was another one um, that came across, and it's all threes, McBurney, that came across the box that the defender got to his foot his foot to first. I think a confident striker gets there in front of the defender and, and probably scores. But I, I don't know. It's just, I think I think John's right. I think he, he buys himself a little bit of time, partly because of his social media presence as much as anything, because of him being quite popular amongst the fans, fan base. Yeah. But it's wearing thin. It, it, that that social media presence is all well and good when things are going well, but it wears thin, and when it starts wearing thin, it can go against you. Well, equally, McGoldrick didn't do anything on Sunday. No, he didn't. You're right. Didn't, I'm not just he picking didn't, on. He well, didn't. He, McGoldrick didn't look like he was anywhere near even. <clears throat> he was involved in a very good move where we got in round the back on the left. Well, apart from that, I'm, and I've thought that in a few games, Arsenal he obviously scored a very nice goal, but I just. There's just some. I just feel like we really just need. A, we need. We almost need to score a scruffy goal, and then we can focus on creating a nice chance to score a few goals. You know, like with it, with the two goals we scored in the Premier League, which is a depressing sentence in itself. There's a long-range punt away at one of the big clubs and a penalty, which Phil's lost his bet. I don't know who he bet with, by the way, but you can all hound <laughs> him on that on the uh, social media. Who's on here? No, but I don't know who you bet with. I don't like is what I'm saying. But like, um, I just yeah, it, it, it's really it's really difficult for me to think that we can we can blame it. But one of the biggest contributors to Sunday's performance for me talks about Sander looking unplayable. He was dead on an hour because he's played in three pointless friendlies in a global health pandemic where him and his teammates have flown all over Europe to play in these games. And they've got to do it again in a month. Four yeah. games in ten days for him and Ender Stevens. Yeah, that's that's just, that's just crazy. The, the, the fact that we're playing international football at the minute with all the other restrictions throughout the rest of society is, is bananas. The fact that England have now sought out a friendly when New Zealand cancelled on them and yeah. they're going to play the Republic of Ireland. So the, opportunity, on us. the opportunity to say, fine, we'll, we'll leave that blank, we'll let everyone have a rest, no travelling, no mixing, let's shoe on another friendly in. Uh, just just back back to the strikers. I get what you're saying. My only question is, and this 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 basis this is for every single striker we've got, with possibly the exception of Brewster and Moose. If we were to put our strikers up for sale tomorrow, our entire strike force up for sale tomorrow, how many Premier League clubs would be in, would be interested in McBurney, Sharp, McGoldrick, Burke? Yeah, not one of those go to a Premier League club. The the only one really that's got a, a, a particular sale resale value at the moment is McBurney. But, but the longer this goes go on, <clears throat> no, probably, probably not. The Middlesbrough, something like that. It wouldn't go to a Premier League club. Now that's not to say he can't turn into a Premier League striker, but he's twenty three. It's not like he's nineteen. He's twenty three. And, and and I'm only posing the question: Is he a Premier League striker? Well, by definition, yes, he is. But yes. is he is he going to be? I think you just have to give him a boost to ten games together. We ain't got it. That's the problem. But, but like the Burke fascination amongst our supporters, in my opinion, is baffling because he's not scored goals his entire career. He's never been a prolific goal scorer, and he's definitely not done it in the Premier League. Yeah, Burke's got... looked most dangerous out of any of our players so far this season. He's caused teams more problems than anybody else on our in our team. And that sheer pace for me, I was amazed on Sunday. 
when you're going to throw another striker on, he threw Sharp on. He can't have been fit. He can't have been he, he fit. He can't have been fit, because why else would you not put Burke on to try and... When we're getting pinned back second half and they're dominating possession, we needed an outlet. And Burke would have given us that outlet to, to run the channels, you know, <laughs> potentially bring Brewster and McBurney into play. Or Berger, although be it Berger was struggling to get up with play then. You know, we've got to... It amazed me. Well, one another thing we've perhaps not mentioned that that is really frustrating about Sunday is the game plan going out the mid out the window after a minute with Max Lowe running into the back of Loftus Cheek and knocking himself yeah. out. And I thought the same would happen with Brewster as well. I didn't think he was coming back on the well, pitch within a minute of coming on as well. But I hope he's king cost because he did a few things. I was like Christ. Like there was a pass where he was under no pressure. He just passed like, it straight to them. But he, he couldn't see properly, could he? he? He was seeing double, which is why he ended up coming off. Um, but that, that it, it just, the game plan I thought was the right thing to do. Put a different full back, wing back on and put Stevens back at centre half because it gives you that attacking, attacking intent as well. And to go out the window after a minute, it's just, well, they must be pulling what little air he's got left out. Symptomatic of the season so far, isn't it? I mean, yeah, we've yeah. lost. We've lost arguably our most important defender. We've lost or one of our most important midfielders. And we've lost our most the striker who at the minute gives us gives us something different to every other striker that we've got. We've lost In, two of his top goal scorers from last season. Fleck yeah. and, uh, and Moose both got six goals. Yeah, but we lost. We lost, Egan, we lost Egan to a suspension that shouldn't have been. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it, so we, we've had rotten luck this season. There's no doubt in that. But yeah, we are. I worry yeah, that we looked... carried over from end of last season with obviously with the goal at Villa. You know, it's 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 almost like we need something, even yeah. even if, even something to snap us out of it. You know, if we we look sorry for ourselves, and even when yeah. we got the equaliser, you'd hope when we got the the penalty on Sunday, it might have just lifted us for those last few minutes. But if anyone was going to win in those last few minutes, it was Fulham. And and that, that was the thing for me. We just look, we look a bit mentally defeated. And I think Wilder hinted as much that the players have got to sort of get a mental grip on this situation as well. One, one positive for me on Sunday was the return of Ollie Norwood into the midfield, particularly first half. Mm. <laughs> we're just half better, poor, though. We're just a better side with him in it. But this it almost annoyed me how much better we were first half. Like why is it why why when something to me so glaringly obvious? Especially in the like Leeds game, it was strange that he didn't start that well. But anyway. What do you know what's interesting? What Wilder said that it, Fleck was penciled in to play this game if he was fit. I wonder whether he'd have played instead of McBurney. And whether it had been Berger, Lundstrom, and Fleck, as opposed to what we ended up going with, I wonder if something's gone off with Norwood. The fact well, he's that he's had the vice captaincy take off him as well, hasn't yeah, he? Exactly, he's had the vice captaincy taken off him. He's gone from pretty much first name on the team sheet to, you know, having to work his way back in after after missing him for three games, and just a couple of times where reporters have asked Tufty, you know, what's the thinking behind Ollie Norwood? He's not kind of said, you know, he's not been up to, he's not been on it lately. He's just said because and just shut him down straight out. I wonder if there's something. He could have answered it. Than, he, could have answered, he could have answered it like the um, Crawley manager. Fucking hell, honestly. Have you heard that? He's got four, man, hasn't he? He's is something he, wrong with him. Who does he think he is? Christ. Seriously. 
I haven't seen that. <clears throat> oh, mate, honestly, you, you, you need to have a look at it. It's not even passive-aggressive, it's full-blown. Aggressive. aggressive. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Basically, why did you sub someone? Do you think I give a monkeys about what you think? Yeah, it's, it's awful. Um, but yeah, I just wonder if there's something something gone off with with Norwood as to like say why he's had the, the vice captaincy taken off him. Yeah, I mean I I just think it's a further product of the poor form we've now been in. What was the last game in the three when we won on the spin? If well we'll say since the Leicester game. The Leicester well, game since the Leicester game we've not really before that we've not played well. We've had bad performance after bad performance after bad performance. Um we, like, I know there's been bright spells in there, but really that's been the case. Um, do we just think it's a case of maybe the weird al- the alchemist's been playing around with his chemistry set a bit much and he needs to actually go back to what he knows and put the right elements in the right place to to build on that that phrase? And, 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 and I know, Phil, you say we haven't got 10 games, but Wilder chirping up about money again in his post-match interview in my opinion I'm not trying to slack him off but that wears very very thin when you've got a 20 million and a 25 million pound striker and the only way to get them to start proving the worth is to play them for a prolonged period of time and whether the Lundstrom debate will ramble on until the end of the season if he doesn't want to sign a contract and we've got players who've proved to be capable, so when Flex back and fit in Norwood, play Berg, Norwood, uh, play Berg, Norwood and Fleck every game and at the back, play the three defenders that you trust the most or, yeah, say, you bet one of your better players in Ampadu and just stick to it for a bit because when we've not had, think about it, since, since, since lockdown, have we had a really settled 11? Whereas before when we were doing well, the 11 picked itself. Yeah, we haven't had a settled 11 for a while. The one player that you, you talk about there, and I, I know we're digressing a bit from the Fulham game a little bit, that seems a bit of an odd signing is Ampadu. And, and listen, having, having quality in your squad's a good thing. It's, it's never going to be a bad thing to be, but it, I'm just not sure where he fits. In in our eleven, I don't I don't see him starting anywhere to compete with Bash. But obviously now that um, obviously we've lost that, that puts a bit more strain on the squad, and he possibly thinks, you know, if he makes if you got a, a settled back three and he makes one change, you know, if he puts Ampadu in for Bash in the odd game, that's fine. If you've suddenly got a makeshift centre half at left back in in Stevens or a a reserve centre-back in Robinson, it possibly makes it more difficult to then put another one in because it means that Egan's, it puts more pressure on Egan to to kind of hold a makeshift back back three together, doesn't it? You could argue then, go either stick to what you know, excuse me, or play four at the back and put in some more protection in front of it where we, you could argue Ampadu or Basham could sit alongside a Norwood and do a bit more of a destroying role. I, I, I just feel there's a lot of fiddling. And when it, we're talking about the biggest weakness being, obviously, is scoring goals and creating them. We didn't create enough goals last season, but we haven't brought in a player to change that. 
and the most attacking creative midfielder we've had over the last however long. It's never had a fair crack. It's gone out to the loan on Forest. It got absolute pelters from the Forest fans last night, incidentally, and they're saying should never start for him again. Freeman, interesting. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree. We need to fill that role. I don't think Luke Freeman was the answer because I don't think he was good enough. But I do think that was a again segueing slightly off Fulham. I think that was a, a gap in our transfer policy over the summer. I find it odd that we targeted right at the beginning of the summer a creative midfielder in John Swift. And by all accounts, we were five minutes away from getting the, the deal over the line. Fair enough, that fell through. But then we didn't bring a similar player in for the rest of the... You would have thought, right, if he's, if he's, you know, if he's number one target, we've got number two, number three, number four. We just seem to move away from that position and that role completely and buy other, bring other players in. I just I found that odd. And certainly at the budget you were talking about for Swift. Yeah. You know, it, is another, it is another Freeman-esque signing slash price level, isn't it? And it's in the scheme of everything else, you know, it, it, you're right. It, it, to me, it's the one... People talk about, I saw threads this week and questions, has it been a good transfer window? And I heard towards no, because we haven't filled that gap. And it's the There's gap. no doubt in that we've, we've made good signings this transfer window. We've broke oh, yeah. the transfer record. We've signed an England under-21 goalkeeper. Yeah. We've signed definite potential in in uh, not just those two, but Lowe and uh, Bogle as well. Mm. Yeah. But I think you use the analogy, Dan. It's like spending all your money on your house and leaving the roof leaking water. Yeah, yeah. Or buying a big house and there's not, not you just still haven't got enough furniture in it. Or you you improve. Tell you what, you, you do. It's like doing the spare bedroom up before the front room, isn't it? Because what yeah. we've done is we've improved the quality. You'd argue. But also, in terms of the fullbacks, however much it was, shy of ten million. If we're going to be an established Premier League club, you have to spend that money on the squad, and a lot of players left again. And the squad list being announced, you look down that and you're like, crumbs. Someone made a really good point the other day, and I think I think we might as well draw a line under Fulham because we've, this conversation's gone in a different direction, and it is what it is. But you think about the next summer transfer window. Ampadu's almost certainly going to go back to Chelsea. Basham's another year older. Jagielka's probably not going to be there next season. Jack Rodwell's probably not going to be there next season. All of a sudden, that's four players almost in the same position we need to either get replacements for McGoldrick I'm not even talking about those yet I'm just talking about the defenders we all of a sudden need four players replacing Jack Robinson Jack Robinson is going to be replacing at the end of this season because you know as much as as much as he's a trier and he's got a long throw you wouldn't want to think he was playing third Premier League for you would you I'm terrified in playing there all season this season yeah so yeah, and you're right. I actually don't think he's played that badly, although Christ knows what he was doing trying to play basketball the other day. But I don't think he's played that badly since he's been inside. But we just look a worse side with him in it. He's he just he, it's no disrespect to him because he's obviously a good pro and he's come through at a top club and it's good to have players like that in your squad. But you'd make an argument he should be nowhere near the first eleven in the same breath as Jags. God bless him, Rodwell. You wouldn't want to see them in your starting eleven in the Premier If it wasn't for O'Connell's injury, it wouldn't be. So if, if O'Connell gets in, if O'Connell doesn't get injured, Robinson comes in for cup games, 
games where O'Connell's suspended and games where you've got three games in a week and you have to rotate. He probably plays eight, nine games this season, whereas now he's looking at playing 25-30. He's Andy squad player, isn't he? Andy squad player and not a lot more. But I just think we've probably, we're probably, we've probably been let down financially as well in two ways. Obviously, the same as everyone, covid no crowds, all that, the uncertainty that brings. But secondly, there's an argument that six years in League One has meant that the, in, the the income stream in the club is so low compared to other teams. And got to, like, look at the quality players that teams who finish below us in the Premier League have signed. Now, I'm not saying, like, you know, I want us to rip it up and, 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 and basically risk the future of the club by being irresponsible. But how many points ahead the Villa did we finish? Yet they are bringing in like Ross Barkley on loan. And we unfortunately can't compete with that, can we? Even Fulham at the weekend. Adam Ola Luckman, who's gone for however much during his career, who looked outstanding, by the way. Mm. And uh, Loftus Cheek. We're, we're yeah. miles away from signing players at that point. I would have loved us to bring Loftus Cheek in, but I think, from, I think Fulham are covering. 70 grand of his wages or something like that, aren't they? 50k a week, isn't he? Something yeah, silly. He's, so. big, he's on big money at Chelsea. As well, you can only... And one thing I will say about the game, like, I know you said we'll finish it. Last season, Basham tackles Lutman, that runs out of play, the crowd cheer, we then go up the other end, we score, we win the game 1-0. All right? Not to mention how weird the penalty is. Nothing is falling for us, and that was a yeah. fine example. The fine margins are going against us. We said it the other week, didn't we? The fine margins that were going our way just simply aren't. We're getting no luck whatsoever. And and all right, fair enough. We got a penalty out of nothing the other day, but I mean, it's a penalty. The referee sees it, he gives it. He should have done. But yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us were asking for it to be taken back. And I think anyone who claims that they were needs to have a lie detector test. Because maybe I mean, not, but that's not the point. He, he, oh no, no I, I, I'm not saying that. I just think in a weekend of very dodgy VAR decisions, the fact that we nearly had them scoring, didn't we? It was just, it's just very weird. It's, it, it, maybe that is where I don't know. Maybe is that our bit of luck that we get the point? But I, I don't see it being much use with what we've got coming up on Saturday. I don't. Know yeah, well, I think that's our luck, isn't it? Now our luck is that we've got Liverpool. Man City and Chelsea to come and I do mean that as well by the way because the pressure's off to a degree I know we need to get some points sometime soon but no one's expecting us to in these next three games and it might not be a bad thing well we'll talk about it in depth in a minute new trainers John what these no mate I've had them for years just got them back from being clean look really good don't they yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable, too. Adam Dunn at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. Fe- fellas are blade, too. Oh, nice one. That saves buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save me as someone who's got a bit of a trader page. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. They're on Twitter, at Glistening Kicks, and Instagram, at glistening underscore kicks or they have a website www.glisteningkicks.co.uk give them a shout the process is dead easy they collect them safely and then drop them back off with you and if you take them round yourself that process could be even quicker 
um, they look, feel, and smell like new. And it's I'm I'm absolutely chuffed, and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look at for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their industry again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service, and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. All the blades. Welcome back to uh, part two. Uh, try and put on my cheery voice as we uh, look forward, in inverted commas, to a trip to Anfield on Saturday. Uh, a Liverpool that looks like it will well, definitely will be without uh, VVD, will be without potentially without Mane, um, without a decent keeper. Black armbands? Do we have to wear black armbands for Virgil van Dijk? Is it? Uh... Well, it, do you know what? I, 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 there's some of the stuff I've read this week. I'd, geez. I saw one this morning. A Liverpool fan had tweeted a picture of Van Dijk with like a cloud over him saying, that clean sheet was for you, my prince. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking different breed, that lot, aren't they? Uh, the best bit is the Everton fans coming back today because obviously Van Dijk tackled Rodriguez and Rodriguez is out for the weekend. Yeah. Panning most people's fantasy football teams. And um, but Anyway, so now going back to the Blades, we obviously got a trip to Anfield. Uh, we'll come on to the fact that it's yet again another pay-per-view slash dodgy stream slash can't be arsed trying to watch it uh, extravaganza. Um, but the question really, and I suppose it, we'll pose it as a bigger question rather than just focus on the Liverpool game per se, is but where do we think this revival that we desperately need might come from? Is it is it going to a team like Liverpool with a couple of injuries, no crowd? An interesting thing I saw... Yesterday was the impact of uh, the lack of em- no, empty stadiums on teams' form. Um, and if you look at it, we are, as you would expect, bottom of the table for the difference between points gained with crowds and points gained without crowds. But also, and I'm just checking where it was, but I think down in that bottom four or five were Liverpool, who are clearly... Yeah, who were clearly feeling that impact as well. So maybe that has a factor, but anyone want to offer a thought? I, I mean, I'll offer a thought on why that is, by the way, and that's, I think, because they'd won the league. Yeah. And and they'd not got the jeopardy that they'd got like other teams for the last few games of the season, which has contributed to it. But that, that's that's a by the by. They, they did have they did have a couple of draws, didn't they? Yeah. They didn't like, they didn't Watford beat them, didn't they? And there, there was a couple of strange results towards the end of last season. And they? also the Villa game the other week. Yeah, which is a freak. You, you, you asked the question, who's going to be the one that um, uh, that gets us out of this, that drags us out of this? Yeah. Uh, stranger things have happened. Ryan Brewster going back to Liverpool, starting at the weekend. If we were sitting here now and we'd just sold one of our strikers to Liverpool and he was potentially going to play against us on on Saturday, we'd all be sitting here going, well, that's nailed on, isn't it? He's yeah. nailed on to get one. So maybe that works in our favour this time. Maybe Brewster goes back to Liverpool and haunts them early what doors. You want, what you want to do on Saturday is you want McBurney to basically get all over Gomez because he is, at the minute, shot of all confidence and that's sort of like, and you've like we've seen McBurney bully better defenders than Gomez in the likes of Alderweireld, the more experienced players in the likes of Eric Dyer. 
in the last 12 months. That Spurs game, he was brilliant, if you remember. And I... I, I think we need to we need to get get in the face, but we also need a John Egan away at Everton performance where it's the sort of Gandalf thou shall not pass, and we need Berger just to keep the ball away from Thiago. Um, but like lots have to go our way for us to get anything. But I just even not even a win. But I just think in any of these games it'd be nice to do it at Anfield because obviously they're pretty feel uh, they're pretty ruthless there, and just go and dig in. And I'm not like, not football doesn't work like this. But Leeds went and scored however many goals past them. Okay? Yet they scored however many goals past Leeds. We lost to Leeds in a very marginal game. game. So I, I would suggest if we're at our best defensively, the game won't go away from us in a horrendous way. The only thing that worries me is if we were to concede a couple of goals early and we try to put the, the game onto Liverpool. Even if Mane's not playing, Yota, Origi coming in, whoever it is, Shakiri, will just rip us a new one if we've not got any belief which being too too down or whatever would be. I I don't know. I've just rambled on there, and I? I I think I think a narrowed I mean I, I've almost resigned myself to to a defeat and that's nothing to do particularly with our form at the minute. It's just the fact that we're going to Anfield and they're a far, far better side than us. So 99 times out of 100, we'll probably lose this game. So I'd kind of, I could, I can almost accept a defeat this weekend because that's just what's to be expected. But a performance would, would I think that might be something that sparks a revival. If, if the players come off the pitch and um, Tufty says in his post-match interview, no problem there, we left it all out on the pitch. That was the Sheffield United I know. We dug in, all right, we lost 2-0, 3-1, whatever it is. But if we if we have a proper balls out Sheffield United performance like we've had pretty consistently for the last four years, that to me is something that could spark a bit of a a bit of a revival. But that's and that's kind of what I was touching on at the end of the last section. It's almost a free hit. We can have yeah. a good performance and lose, and all right, I'm never happy when we lose, but I'll be happier if if we show a bit of fight, show a bit of steel, and look like there's there's signs of the olders coming back then I, I, I'll take that and it goes as takes us into a nice and he came afterwards with a bit of confidence but um, I don't know I'm not sure about all the, all the injuries that Liverpool have got whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for us because they're going to bring players in that have got a point to prove whilst there's the the, the big hitters out sort of thing I, I threw out your Shakhtar Donetsk against uh, Real Madrid last night yeah I had all those players missing because of Covid and went you know beat, beat Madrid I'm going to I'm going to disagree with Wilder actually when he talks about O'Connell being more devastating towards than Van Dijk to Liverpool Obviously, throw in that as well, Alison. But Van Dijk, do you remember in the early days of Klopp, this rock and roll football Liverpool were playing, they looked amazing some weeks. But the same problem would be when you've got a keeper that nobody trusts and some centre-halves. Now, don't get me wrong, I'd say Matip and Lovren are probably a little bit better. Matip and Gomez are a bit better than the likes of Lovren, who was playing there and things. But I genuinely think that Taking Van Dyke out, like whether you think it or not, like m- many people believe Virgil Van Dyke to be one of the best players in the world, and certainly. Van Dijk, he says is the best centre half he's ever seen. Pardon? 
Danny Murphy says he's the best centre-half he's ever seen. Better than Maldini, etc. But the point, whether you, whether you think that or not, that that is a, a belief held by a lot of people, isn't it? What I would say about this game, and I think about the City game, and I certainly think about the Chelsea game, is if we approach it in the right way, I'm not saying we'll win any of them, I'm not saying we'll even get a point out of any of them, but if we approach it in the right way and we have a go and we're disciplined, his goals in all three games for us potentially. And Liverpool do have Champions League next Tuesday as well, so they've got back-to-back Champions League. So yeah, they've only stumbled past Ajax. They're all right, but yeah. they're not the side that got to the semis the other year. With I, I just, 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 just my thoughts on what, what you were saying there. Uh, John about Wilder's points about it affects us more, and I, I I get I I agree with Wilder I really do, and I know what you mean about Van Dijk. He is levels above anybody else, and missing him out of the side's a massive thing. But for a club like us to have lost arguably our best centre half, uh, most creative goal scoring midfielder from last season, and the striker that looked like at times he could be a world beater, to lose them three players. It's hard for us to replace, whereas they're bringing in... Yeah, He's talking relative, isn't it? it, it the, yeah. the difference between Liverpool losing Van Dijk and replacing him with Matip, who's a full international and a Premier League winner and a European Cup winner, and us losing Jack O'Connell and replacing him with Jack Robinson, who's a mid-table championship centre-off, that hurts us more. Than, yeah. Than that does. yeah. The, it, it's, the compi- it's the combined thing, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's all three. I the think dropping quality is starker for us than it is for Liverpool. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting, though, to to look at Liverpool in two months. And I think that's probably when we're due to play him again, knowing the schedule. <laughs> knowing now that we'll get him in the FA Cup, we'll, all, we'll be part of the league, two points, so we've got a bit of a cup run for you at the court. Let's go for it, Liverpool third round. But in all seriousness, it'll be interesting to see how... The, because as without Alison as well, I think I just think maybe you've convinced me otherwise. But what I was doing is using it to make the argument that this game, the City game, and Chelsea, as we've proven time and time again, and many teams have proven against Chelsea, is goals and it pulls if we approach it correctly. Yeah, I don't know I if you agree or disagree, but if. And it has to come through the Bernie Brewster combo of the shit house who does all the dodgy work where he drops in. Oh, but, you know, I think on the TVO football podcast, they do great listen if anyone's interested and anyone's got nothing else to do. There's like a history of what the rise and fall of Swansea, like it's like an hour. And they talk about Bernie a bit on that. And somebody called him like the scummiest player they've ever seen yet at championship level. He'd be the first name on anyone's team sheet. No, that doesn't do anything to strengthen my argument. He should be playing in the Premier League. But it's Bernie doing that, doing the dropping off, and then Brewster being on the last goals <coughs> in all those games for us, especially against Chelsea, if the uh, new keeper's out and Kepa's still around. Because you saw at the weekend, wow. I know he got sold short by Zoom, I think it was, but spiders, that was... He's an accident waiting to happen, isn't he? I just hope, um, maybe rather than McBurney playing this weekend, we play his 12-year-old younger brother that has seemed to appear around the changing <laughs> crown this week. I wonder if he's been watching some 1970s films he's borrowed off Ian. He's just tweeted, have you seen <laughs> he's just tweeted, Tashley Cole? <laughs> some 1970s films he's borrowed off Ian? <laughs> to the adult content in the movies, Mr. Rams. Nothing to do with your age. 
I think you'll find my VHS and DVD collections quite clean, Jonathan. Confessions of a window cleaner, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, he's not modeling, he's not got a Robin Asquith haircut, has he? <laughs> but he's, the thing is, it's like when I did Movember last year and Dan in the pub before the guys goes, Oh, you're doing Movember? <laughs> I wouldn't have minded, but it was like the 28. <laughs> 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 so, uh, should we round this off? I mean, we ought to do a prediction, I guess, but who wants to kick us off? I'm going to go balls deep and go first and say we're going to get something on Saturday. I think we'll get a point. Okay. I had my, my balls deepness. I'm going to go balls deeper. Um, and I'm going to say the Premier League's been so weird this season. We're pretty much the only ones that have not had a, been involved in a, an absolute epic or a, a crazy result. I'm going to say 2-1 United. We're going to shock Liverpool. Leon Brewster's going to get both. Your Stein Flo coming off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> if Rian, I should let you two go, go last if now. If comes out with a bandage on his hand, it's it's paid. <laughs> John, can you, can you add to that relative growth in positivity? <laughs> Not without getting sectioned. Um, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I think I'm with Phil. I, I think that the I think the performance need. I I almost I don't care about the result if the performance is that battling. But I do think there's goals in it for us, and I'm going to stick my neck out and say that we're going to draw one all. Um, we're going to score first against the run of play. And then it's going to be, they're going to get one dodgily or like a pen or something towards the end. And it's going to be literally hanging on for his dear life. And it will prove to be a pivotal moment in the season where we stay up by one point. So I've added more enthusiasm with a bit more realism, hopefully. Well, I'll not add my dose of realism. I'd like to end on a positive note for this positive pod. So I'll not offer my prediction because I'll only bring us crashing down. But I think that was a well worth it, a good section. And let's be honest, I'm so hoping that one or yeah, all of you can't be right, but at least one of you is. Are we? Uh, are we? Cho- everyone watching this week? Is everyone like Dan? Are you gonna? I'm, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'm not paying for it. They can go fuck themselves. I think I'm paying fourteen ninety five, but I'll I'll find it somewhere. I think not that the four blades had ever encouraged such activity, but you're not going to f- struggle to find a stream for the Sheffield United Liverpool game at eight o'clock on Saturday evening. There will be a pre- as prevalent as a walk through Rivlin. Right, so uh, welcome back to part three. Um, Dan, I think you, you touched on it just then, um, the pay-per-view and the 1495 and the other news that we've had coming up over the last week is Project Big Picture and the new European Super League. So I thought we should have a, a few minutes just talking about how, how good we think this is going to be and, and to, to have a little bit of a chat about the, the great situation coming up with pay-per-view football and, and all the rest of the plans. What do you all think?
great stuff. Good section. Enjoyed yeah, that. That's the positives covered. <laughs> so, so what do we really think about this situation going on at the moment? I think um, uh, there's been a lot publicised. So, so what do you reckon? Are you, are you going to be spending fourteen ninety five on a game? Whether I'm spending fourteen ninety five or not, the whole approach to this in term in 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 the current situation where people's lives are being seriously affected and having to change what they decide to do on a day-by-day basis is absolutely perverse. And I think Panchero summed it up on Blades Pod perfectly well when he said, the only thing he admires about it is how forward and ballsy it is. Because it's so arrogant, it's just baffling. And the fact that then they tagged on this European Super League this last week, what little's left in my hair, I'm pulling it out. People need football in their lives, right? They already pay for it. The fact that the majority of us are on this call have a Sky subscription, a season ticket, BT Sport and Amazon Prime, yet there might be another thing to pay for. So if, it's, just, it's just perverse. And the worst thing, Ian, which I'm sure you're going to talk about, is the fact that your dad, my dad, they don't know how to work streams and stuff. So they have no option if they want to watch the match anymore. It makes me sick to my stomach, and I think it's just the icing on the cake to just a bad feeling I have towards everything at the moment, that nobody's actually out to do anything positive. So, yeah, I'm not that big a fan. <laughs> I, think, I think for me, and you've touched on one point we shall come on to, I kind of get the fact it's pay-per-view. I kind of get it wasn't going to be free forever. I also accept that as as a club, and credits United because it's clear plenty of other local clubs, both Premier League and Championship, have taken season ticket money off people, and they're then charging them for iFollow or for pay, Premier League pay per view on top of what they've already paid out. Yes, we, they still got our money from last season as credit, but they haven't taken the season ticket money. So in some ways. I could see a view of saying, actually, to put some money into the club, here you are, you can buy a package of games to watch. It's the price point that's all wrong for me. You know, if they were saying to us, as a season ticket holder, here's your deal, you can view the United games at an average of a fiver a game. I'd buy that. I suspect most of us would buy that for a decent quality, you know, stream, whatever it may be, on online or whatever. But fourteen ninety five is the price my dad pays for it and I guess Steve will pay and and, and Crids as well yes, Dad. if Crids qualifies for senior, senior citizen I take it back Crids if not oh um, he's barely in that camp he's tweeted on Twitter recently that's about their average price for a season ticket seat to watch a home match in a ground to meet up with family to see friends in the pub to have that experience of watching a match live not a pseudo match like we're watching now which is what it is it's artificial it's why we're getting all the the ridiculous results that tv love but fans are hating because actually it's not proper football and that's my point the price point is outrageous i think you're spot on i think it's like most things if you've if you're explained to the reasons why something is you generally understand it Hmm. Explain to me why pay-per-view football is £15 a game. I get, although I don't like it, why boxing's 15, 20 quid a fight or a fight night. You get a lot of fights to watch and it's not every week or it's not every four or five days. Yeah. For a football match, 
over 38 games during a season to be that amount of money. Explain to me why. I don't get it. I don't understand. We're, we're, we're playing for Derek Chisora every week, basically. The thing, yeah. the, thing, the thing we're missing here, and we've all, we've all missed this point now, this 14.95 pay-per-view is not aimed at us. They don't give no, a fine fuck about us. This is aimed at Premier League fans, so not Sheffield United fans, not, not Blades, not Owls, not, not Barnsley fans, not Millwall fans. This is aimed at Chelsea fans, Man United fans, Liverpool fans, in Accra, in Kinshasa, in Tokyo, in Adelaide, in New York, who will happily pay this because this is their club. I, I have a season ticket, so if we'd have had a season ticket this season, that, this would have been my 39th, 40th season ticket on the bounce. So whatever it is, 300 and odd quid. In theory, that gets me into the game 18 times a season. That 300 quid, but it doesn't. That 300 quid pays for more than that. That pays for me to see my mates once a fortnight and to, to, to spend some time having a laugh with my friends and getting out of the house and forgetting about the mortgage and the kids and the wife and the job for three hours on a, on, a, on a Saturday, on a Sunday, whenever it is. That's what a season ticket is. This is not aimed at us. They don't care about the, fa- the, the pay-on-the-door fans, the, the fans who go week in, week out, like you guys who travel fucking home and away week in, week out. It's not aimed at us. It's because it's aimed at the, the, the people in Africa and Asia and India and America and Australia and Europe who will pay the money and buy the replica shirts because they've been a Chelsea fan since Robin Abramovich bought the club, or they've been a Man City fan since Sheikh Mansour bought the club. They don't give a fuck about the Man City fans who went to watch him against Gillingham in the playoff final 20 years ago when Paul Dickoff scored. They've gone, not interested about them. So that's the point we're all missing today. The other, the other thing for me on this, and um, I think the price point comes from when, if the Football League are pricing at £10 for iFollow, we're, they're always going to charge more for Premier League just as a point of principle once the price point set but actually they now want I tweeted United to say you're, you're getting the profits from this well it must be nearly all profits then because every Premier League game is broadcast overseas you don't get any build up I don't believe on pay-per-view not that I watched on Sunday to find out but you don't get any build up you don't get any analysis and if you do then actually your commentators are already there for your overseas coverage your cameras are already there yeah. so actually what are the costs of this broadcast you know, what, what is the profit that you as a club are getting from this and how is that being split between the two clubs? Nobody's given us these figures. They won't, they won't tell you how many people watched. I saw it interesting today that Andy Holt of Accrington Stanley put some figures out on Twitter for the amount of subscriptions to iFollow for their games. And obviously they get small crowds, so they're not a very good starting point for this. But what I found interesting was um, on the 17th of October, Ipswich were at home to Accrington Stanley. Now, Ipswich home crowds will get five decent five-figure crowds, I guess, still around League One. I've not looked at their crowds for a while. Yep. They had 2,000, there was 2,000 people watched that match. 2,000 watched it online at 10 or a pop. So the actual gross revenue from watching that match and I follow was 21 grand. Um, and I think basically, yeah, that was a home subs and there was a few Atkinson fans watched it. Didn't, didn't the Burnley game attract a rumoured seventy-four fans this I week? Think that was, I think that was just. I think that was a, a, a fake number. Was that tongue in cheek? Right, tongue in cheek. But, yeah. but, but still, you know, if there's if there's two thousand, and the, I think within that are people who bought a season ticket who get that I follow. 
So, like you say, the, 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 the footballer you've got to hook in because they probably charge for season tickets and they're giving them something back. They're charging us here for something, like you say, that isn't really aimed at us. And the price point is arbitrary. And we don't know what our club benefits from that. And I think that's the key thing. The whole sales point here is your club will get X of this. If I felt that was going to United in lieu of gate money, then that starts to put a different spin on it. But I don't trust that. There's a lack of trust. There's a complete breakdown of trust. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess, you know, from my point of view, I won't be paying it. My wife said to me, so why don't you pay for it? It was a home game. You'd have spent the money on a home game. Maybe you don't pay for the away game because you never used to go to every away game. I said, I'll find some other way of watching it. Yeah. Like you say, if you could pay that money direct to United, that's a different story. The fact yeah. that you're paying it to Sky when I'm already paying whatever it is, 100 quid a month for Sky. And over the last few years, they've lost the Champions League, Spanish football, um, the Ashes. Any decent, any boxing above a fight outside a pub on a Sunday is pay-per-view. I, I'm, it, it sticks in my crow to pay them any more money, to be fair. What about you, John? In terms of pay-per-view, I think... I had my little rant at the start. I think the, the most perverse thing about not the perverse thing about it, I'll, I'll try and do say something else. I think it's obvious that I'm not a fan of it. Um, I feel I've, one thing it's made me realise is I actually feel lucky to be like, well, I don't feel lucky to be 33. I wish I was 15 again. But to be 33 and having experienced football in a in a, in a proper way, you know, getting going to sub sports, getting new goalie gloves and boots when I'm a kid, new shirt, reading up back at star players we linked with, talking to my dad about it, you know, listening to Radio Sheffield when it actually give you information, not living through this instantaneous, you know, which we're part of as as four blades in a pub. And maybe this is the future and it's what people want but it's not what I want and I feel you know the whole you know collecting stickers all those cool things you do when you're getting into football I just don't there's none of that anymore and also like part of that is not watching every single game when you were a kid you know listening on the radio and dreaming of the time that you can go to the away matches should you be able to get a ticket whereas what what worries me the most about it, it's all geared towards the dancers, not us, but if we can make a viable product out of it without us, why would they ever try to get us back without making more money out of this as well? Well, we, we don't pay for the, the transfer fees and the wages of the players that come in at this level anyway, do we? You can see that with the fees that they cost uh, in, in Germany to get in grounds. Yeah. 170 quid is it for a season ticket to go to Bayern Munich and buy Leverkusen and Borussia Dortmund yeah. and you've got clubs in this country charging a thousand pound and it's three it's like three fifty euro a pint in your seat do you know the worrying thing the worrying thing is I think there's people uh, we talked about this the other week people won't go back there are people that won't go back yeah after this and that's sad it is really really sad and I that's think a- that's, that football TV has done that to sorry no not TV Sky TV has done that. Yeah. But, it, but also, it's that's a bigger worry because, like you say, the gate money 
for United now is small fry in their income. Don't get me wrong, it's it's still important income. It does go towards funding what we want to be as a football club, but it's such a small proportion. The issue is the work we've done on building a fan base and establishing this supremacy in the city and getting the capacity crowds then starts to diminish because actually it's not just those that don't come back. They don't come back with the kids. The kids grow up thinking football can be watched on TV, so why bother? Yeah. And I mean, we talked about pay-per-view a lot there. Project Big Picture, the idea of pitching it as some sort of Robin Hood, you know, stealing from the rich to feed the poor, yet really all you do is you're moving towards an NFL model where the elite just run the game and there's never a glass ceiling and it works in American sports and their culture but our football pyramid is something to cherish Um, and anything like I've always said why change the numbers in divisions and stuff like those with somebody who loses out and I just feel like there's enough money in football already if if they want to I think they they have the audacity as well to describe it as progressive if you want to be progressive introduce wage caps and homegrown quotas and things like that that's making a statement and putting limits on what fat, what chairman can can and can't do so they can't treat the football clubs and the supporters like stupid little pets. Like you saw what happened at Blackpool where basically the fans were bullied by the chairman because he didn't need the money, so he just took the mick out of them. Um, and obviously what's gone off at Coventry over the years and things like that. That's what you do if you want to progressively reform the English, English football. You need to stop nonsense like that. Don't create a Super League, which just so happens that Southampton get more of a say over us because they had Matt Letissier in the 90s, which meant that section of their history, they spent time in the top flight, which just so happens to be called the Premier League. Therefore, they deserve more of a say. And the whole idea of this you know, round table that no one can ever join because we know best because we've been doing it for longer, it just leaves a stink. Like, imagine, like, starting out, you finish university and you go for your first job and the first thing that gets said to you is um, really, really good qualification, you've got loads of good ideas, however you're going to work really hard for the rest of your life until you die you'll never be able to get into the top job in this profession because the people who are already in them, they never leave like that's just a weird like it wouldn't ever happen and, and that's what the big picture model is, it's We'll keep the money, but we'll give you false things. And the work I've, I've gone on for two minutes, and I'm going to finish on this one. And my friend who's a Derby fan saw he was against it, but he defended this. And I said, the prime example is people like the Derby chairman will come out and say, oh, yeah, it's a good idea because it'll name better players in the championship and beyond. He's always on TV. He, When they signed Wayne Rooney, he was interviewed probably 100 times. He couldn't wait to it. up. It feeds these chairmen in the championship hunger to be part of something that even when they're part of, they'll never have any say in. It makes no sense and it's just ridiculous. And I'm glad that the general, I've not heard anyone come out and defend it at a seat. I've heard no one pro for it, other than, the people who, other than the people who proposed it. Well, that's the irony, isn't it? Man United and Liverpool both voted against it when it went up for a vote, which seems. Bizarre. So whether it was misreported or what, I don't know. But I've got to, I've got to say, I, I tweeted about 
five minutes ago to the people need to listen to the rant from Dan and Dan and Ian because I thought they were both outstanding and I missed you out John and I, I missed your rant that you've just had as well so I'll add that into what you need to listen to folks because that was outstanding the three of you I'm not even going to try and compete I thought that was really good to listen to as being part of this pod to listen to how passionate you just spoke about that was outstanding thanks really for awesome. you too mate <laughs> I'm also trying not to swear tonight, guys, and I think I've only done it once. So Dan's making up for it. <laughs> yeah, um, but basically, football is. I mean, football is what it is towards, and it always will be. And and whatever they try to do, we need to fight to keep it, don't we? Indeed. Oh. Welcome back to part four, everyone. Um, we wanted to try and finish on a bit of a positive note, obviously having gone over Fulham, our chances against Liverpool and Project Big Picture and 14.95 per match. So we're going to basically just have a, a bit of a, a few minutes talking about the current squad, the group of players as a whole, what they've done as a collective, where they've taken us from and to, um, and just try and uh, try and pick out some real positives on that to try and, uh, try and lift everyone's spirits for the end of the pod. So... <laughs> Who's feeling particularly positive that wants to uh, wants to pick someone out first? John, you're looking uh, you're looking particularly positive as I look uh, as I look at my laptop. Thanks, Dan. Uh, well, I'm going to start with a player who, uh, when we signed him, he came on a free transfer. He had a bit of a dodgy first season, and then he was arguably the best player of the season after last season was the second best player in his position in the entire Premier Division, in my opinion. And some of the criticism of him this season when basically he's probably knackered. Uh, he's Ender Stevens. He's the best left-back Sheffield United have ever had. Um, I think a lot of people have lost sight of that very quickly. Because um, always in always in like people's squads and stuff, Gary Naismith ended up in a lot of people's 11, particularly people our age, like... Literally, like Gary Naismith, a good player, but Ender is a phenomenal player. He's he's played nearly, he'll play well over 100 games for United. Really, I don't think personally he's let us down an awful lot. And I think there was a few stats being thrown around on them on Twitter about him, about his interceptions and things like that. He's actually still performing really well. On on Sunday, he played in a game where he was starting as a centre-back and then he had to get a left-back and just got on with it and did well. Yeah, he tired, but he played however many games for Ireland, including an extra time. And I just think, let's remember how good Ender Stevens is. Let's just remember how bloody good Ender Stevens is. He is, I think you're right. I think you're right. He's probably the best left-back I've seen in my time watching United. I can't think of I can't think of anyone else that like you say Naismith probably come comes close and then all the others like your Tommy Cowens and your Dave Barnes and your Roger Nielsen's they're quite a way further back, aren't they? Yeah, he's, he's a he's a he's a he's a modern day fullback as well. Like he's he, he's just a, he's just a baller. He gets in every team in the championship and he gets in half of the Premier League teams. He's better than ones who were getting praise at the minute, like Creswell and stuff. And, and we've got to remember, yeah, you can make the argument about 
it's the Republic of Ireland. But he's consistently played international football now as well. So he's not just playing at the highest level in in the Premier League as such. He's playing international football on a regular basis and holding his own. And heaven forbid if we went down, he'd play every game next season. He'd be one of the best players in the league. I've no doubt about that. I agree with everything you've all just said. I think there was was a stage last season where he he had his own gif reel of of nutmegs that he was doing game after game after game. This is a left-back we're talking about. Not not only can he do that kind of stuff going forward, he's a good defender as well. And the fact that Wilder chose him to play centre-half tells you that he can defend really, really well. He's, He's got, he's almost got everything to his game. But I guess it's part of so many problems that United have had for the last seven or eight games. It's that last bit that's not coming off for him at the moment and that's why he's not looking the player he was. We just need to get that bit of swagger back, don't we? You know, Mm. like I said, that bit of swagger where your left-back's confident enough to nutmeg someone, you know, on the edge of his own box and come away with it. Mm. At the minute, we've not got that and that's what we need to get back. As well, unfortunately, it's the system that puts the pressure on Bullock and him, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of their overall contribution, they've both been fine. So I, I, I think the way that we should do this, so we, we've done this a couple of times before. So you've picked a player, John. I think we should pick a couple couple of players each. But, That's my first one. Okay, so I, I'm, I think that there's a player we should leave to the end, to the last one, because there's a very obvious one that's been there through all of this, and I think we should leave him till last and talk about him last. Yeah, I'm going to go the I'm going to go the opposite wing. I'm going to go George Baldock has grown with us. He came to us as an unproven player at MK Dons that had played briefly at Championship level, but most of his career at League One and below, and he looks every bit of Premier League footballer for me now. And I think his growth has been everything about our growth over the last three or four years. What a footballer he's become. 100% with you on this, Phil. I, when we did the article in Den, Den Blades, I spoke about him in the mini fanzine, which, God bless Sam, I think obviously he and this struggle to get out after all yeah. that. Um, but the thing is with Baldock, right? Doesn't to, to get somebody that does what he does and land across on a striker's head, you're not looking at Kyle Walker, you're not looking at Wan-Bissaka, you're not even looking at Trent, you're looking at Cafu. Right? In terms of impact on a game, I'm not saying defensively he's as good as Cafu, but he's a complete player. Yeah, he gets let down in the final third, but like you say, Phil, it's the growth and the quality that you've seen him improve on. As well, like, what I like about Baldock was there was a time, and I was one of them who was bringing this conversation, that is he better than Steve, uh, Is he better than Freeman? Because Kieran Freeman was a phenomenal player for us for, for, for a while. And he's... Kieran Freeman's a Sheffield United legend. He, he, he always will be. And he's gone, Baldock, to a next level because he, he played in every game last season. Every minute of every game as well. Goal and Norwich is, right, people talk about, so here's a good one, it, to tell you the level that he's, ha- he's at. So people would say, oh, Babakis was better. Babakis, we weren't in the premiership with Babakis. Talk me through a Babakis goal, any of you. And the best Babakis goal for me was the one at Sunderland where he, he popped up in the, 
the opposite side of the pitch to where he should have been and, and put the ball across the goal into the far top corner. First game of the season. Yeah. Well, they were all worldies, weren't they? It's pretty much yeah. all kind of spectacular edge at box or free kicks. Or... But they're not, they're, not, they're not a figure of eight in a tight area and drilling one under keeper. No. Like you'd expect from a striker. Like that goal ball that scored at Norwich last season, which was absolutely phenomenal. And also, this, what was so good about that, and this is why, and I cling on to every ounce of hope, I really do, but this is why I really, I really think we could be okay. Is once we get on a roll and various players step up, and that was an example of that. Stevens equalised at the header, and then that chance fell to the right back and just smashed it out. I just think I'm with you, Phil. I, I love Bulldog. I think he's phenomenal, and I think I want Bogle to be good. And if he's better than him, it's fine. Well, yeah, it's not a bad thing, is it? Yeah. If Bogle and Lowe are better than them two, we've not done bad. Well, bloody hell! Again. As well, like I said, it's almost like have some have some bloody respect. Have some respect. Like there's a lot of players who've been more inconsistent for us than the two fullbacks. Yet they, because we're not scoring, are getting a brunt of the criticism, in my opinion. Go on, then. Beat that, you two. Ian. Do you, want to, do you want to go first? I'll go. Um, I'm torn between two players, both both midfielders. But I'll I'll stay on this theme of players at the minute who just a, attract unnecessary criticism. Who, for technically, uh, uh, technically is one of the best footballers I've seen in the United shirt. Yet. Yeah to some people's exacting standards at the minute is just a, a person to turn on if we're not getting results. And that's all he knows. You know, it's rare I've sat... I, I could probably count... wouldn't even be able to count on the fingers of one hand. I've seen players dictate games for United. Midfielders who dictate a game. I can count Gordon Cowens for a brief spell under yeah. Kendall. The calmness, the assuredness, he, he made us tick. He, he made everything happen. Nothing spectacular, but made us tick. Stuart McCall, for an extent. Yep. Under under Warnock. I'm struggling to think of many more. Coops. Obviously, Coops. ironic. Coops, probably yeah. didn't, Coops did it the season before Norwood, didn't he? Yeah. Lee Evans. A couple of seasons before. Coops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've seen him dictate the crowd at the O2 Arena, but that's about it. Um, I think... I think for me, Norwood, like you say, I think if Coots is a fair comment probably, but that level above again, it's yeah, Norwood. Exactly. Yeah. I can um, always remember Norwood's first game for United. It was a whole city at home in the League Cup. Yeah. And, and I can remember as I can't remember who was there that, that I watched it with, but halfway through the game, I know you, you were there, John. I remember you being there. But I can remember chatting to somebody halfway through the game going, Christ, who have we signed here? This guy is just another level. We, th- there was a bit of uproar about the fact that we'd let Lee Evans go as well, by the way. And mm. Wilder kind of said, just leave me to it. Some some more than others. But ever, ever since that day, I, I, I'm, so I, it, where I think he's different to Stevens and, and Baldock, they've kind of grown with us. They've got better and better as we've got better and better. Yeah. Norwood took us to another level. Exactly. 
Yeah, yeah he elevated us. And that, that took playing. some doing. For a team that was already high-performing, he took us to a, a level that got us ultimately to the Premier League and kept us there. And, and that's part of our challenge as a club, is the players that are coming in, you know, they're not all coming off in replacing those players who've been here a while. You know, and like you say, Baldock came in and replaced Freeman. You know, Stevens, as, as fair as Lafferty was in the what Stevens came in and was that took us to that next level and took us beyond. Norwood has done that with us. Now, question, will does Norwood, is there someone else now we ring in that in time, I'm sure there will be. But I go back to what I said probably at the start and we've said throughout, we're a better side with Ollie Norwood in it. What's about Norwood, in my opinion, and about how good he is, slash why I think replacing him is impossible, and you have to, you have to change the system, is what Cooch used to do is recycle the ball, right? And that's why if you were to... I'm thinking maybe if there was a get-home game against Preston, first year in the Championship, where he dictated the game and he scored one from outside the box... And I can't remember who we were playing, but there was a game in League One, I think it might have been the Walsall game where we won at the end, where Coots on the right of the three drove into the area, took the responsibility uh, and crossed it in. And and we got the winner. Uh, but what you can think about Norwood is you think about like the whole of Brentford in the Championship, you think about some of the pings against uh, Wednesday and stuff. Now look in the Premier League. Who is a deep lying playmaker plays passes or plays in the defensive midfield position who plays passes of that quality? Yeah. There isn't anyone, is there? there I don't think there's anyone that does what he does at that level in the Premier League. I genuinely don't. You've got players that play that position that he does that do the coots role of recycling the ball, playing the easy passes. But Norwood, ironically, can't doesn't seem to be very good at doing the easy passes. It's the Hollywood balls that he's just yeah. outstanding at. Yeah. And, and what I always enjoy about Norwood as well is when he does the give and go, he's always done with the idea of the second pass in mind. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like a springboard effect. Like, he uses his, he uses his teammates like you would the boards at five side. Which uh, yeah. is, which I think Norwood's a great shout I think Norwood's a great shout here. I think I, I, I can't really add any more. The, the stick that he gets is unfounded and, and the fact that he should be one of our heroes and, and legends of the club going forward forevermore is, is undoubted. Dan? Um, I'm going with the guy who I'm guessing it was Ian's, uh, was the, one that, the other one that Ian was torn with uh, and I'm going for, uh, for John Fleck. Um, considering when we signed, obviously we we nearly signed him however many years ago from Rangers, um, and it didn't happen, and then kind of he drifted off to Coventry. And when we signed him, realistically, he was a kind of bang average League One midfielder, pottering along for for mid table Coventry. Um, I don't think I think we all thought. I think we were all a bit intrigued because obviously we'd had the whole um, fax machine debacle years ago. So there was a bit of intrigue when we signed him. Uh, and he's, as he always does, he started the season reasonably slowly when he first came in. But since then, I mean, he's he's one that's just gone up level after level after level. You know, he, he looked outstanding in the third division when, when we won the title there. 
I know there was a question, can he step up to the championship? And he started a bit slowly and there was a bit of maybe not. Turned it, you know, he suddenly turned it on and became, again, one of our most important players. Started slowly the season after, kicked on again. And last, and even the season before where he was linked with West Ham, there was talk of West Ham wanting to pay 10 million for him. And there was a few rumblings of, I'm not sure he's a Premier League player. Last season... I mean, I, I, you know, I gave him player of the season because he was just, and I, I, obviously when we did, did, the, did the bit for Den Blades and I put, if you know, if, uh, if Norwood's the heartbeat in his kind of metronomic style, flex without doubt the lungs and the legs because we are, a, we're a different side when he doesn't play or when he doesn't play well. And like you say, post-lockdown, we've not been the same side because there hasn't been a fully fit John Fleck at any point since the restart. Absolutely not. He, he's the one that, you know, like you said, Norwood gets the ball, keeps things going, 40, 50-yard passes. Berger's slightly different, but Flex the one who, who will get the ball. And I'm not sure how he does it because he's not particularly quick and he's not got a trick per se, but he just seems to drive past people and, you know, he, he kind of slows them down and speeds them up. And he, he's just got that way of kind of almost bustling his way past midfielders and, and then obviously he's got a, he's got a great left foot. Um, yeah and, and just the way he's kicked on over the last few years I think has been amazing and I think we are missing him at the minute and what is he four weeks did, did, did Tufty say the other day he's gonna be yeah out for four, four weeks, weeks. So I, I, I think we've missed him for a while I think he's not been at it for a while and I think that's that's the interesting thing about Fleck even when he's there but not himself we miss him when he's on it we're finally getting this Scotland call up yeah yeah not played for Scotland for years and been outstanding. Suddenly he's in two or three Scotland squads and they've dragged him down to their level. What <laughs> seems to be. What I think with like we also almost need to pray for is I'm not sat and this because I'm not going. I've not sat down and looked at the fixtures in the way I normally would because right now I'd know exactly what I'm not doing up till Christmas. Yeah. Weekend after weekend, probably have an hotel or two booked around because this time last year I knew what we were doing for Brighton away. You know, we'd, 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 we were saying we were going to Liverpool, Phil, for a night over, etc. Hopefully, which coincides with Flake's return, we have a series of games which are winnable. And if he's firing, there's no reason we can't win three on the spin. And yeah. that'll be, if, hopefully, that can happen in December. Don't quote me, but I believe we've got Brighton, Palace and somebody else in a row. And and he's good enough to win those games on his own, whether he's goals. We've got West Brom on the 28th of November. Leicester on the 5th of December. At home, Dan. West Brom's away, Leicester's at home. Away at Southampton on the 12th. Away at Brighton on the 19th, and then obviously Boxing Day is Everton. So, December, yeah. you're looking December's, at the points. There's some, there's some games where we could pick points up in there, you know. And, but every and that's coincided with Moose being back as well, potentially. Yeah, but, and, and Dan's just done a very. But the thing is, with Flex as well, Phil, we've talked about it about five, six times on this pod, and we'll probably have to do a cartoon reenactment of it. And we spoke, didn't we, after the Sheffield derby and talked about replacing him. And I said, and I, and I, I say this about all four of the players here mentioned, 
We just need to have some respect because they've got us where we are. And if we were, heaven forbid, to go down, Baldock, Stevens, Fleck and Norwood, it'd be amongst the best players in the championship next season and we'd go on to win the league with our manager. Yeah, I know, I agree. I agree. And if we have to take it in the if we have to take a big old kick in the balls and have to start the jerk and the journey goes off track for a bit and then gets back on, we do. But John Flex John Flex a phenomenal player and he'll always be remembered for the goal at Northampton, the day we met Ian, the day we met Phil. Um and he's just Flake's another one that will be a Chef United legend forevermore. And and that's why we kind of wanted to do this section. Uh, yeah. I, I know we said doing two each, but both Ian and I have got to dial off in a couple of minutes. So I think we should just have the last couple of minutes talking about the... He's already in our Hall of Fame. But the, the one player, we talk about players that have grown with the club. We've needed to replace this guy every transfer window since pretty much since he signed whether that was when he was a midfielder or whether it became centre-half or as a, as a marauding right-handed centre-half that, that overlaps his full-back like he does nowadays. But Chris Basham never ceases to amaze me. Well, he was man of match on after Ramsdale, man of match on Sunday. I said at the beginning of the season, I keep trying to basically mean that I can get the hot take when it comes to talking about Basham that he's finally his time. You could argue... And they said this on Blaze Pod, and I agree with them. Offensively, he was our best player on Sunday. Uh, he's almost going back to being a midfielder in his contributions in that in that regard. And, and and Phil, when we played Villa, you rightly called me out for saying about um, oh he's a bit quite out of position. You were like, well, actually, the penalty John came from this, that, and the other. And it's true, it all came through Bash. When they build a Wilder and Sharp statue, Basham should be stood with him. Yeah, simple as that. Can't can't disagree with any of them. Any of them for any of them five players. In fairness, can't yeah. disagree. And, and we have to, and, and we we'll do some word association just to finish for a bit of fun for a minute. First, first other name. Tell me about teacher here. Go on. <laughs> Exit pass. Yeah. John Egan. Rock. Simon Moore. Outstanding for 18 months. Yeah. Have we got any others that we need to mention? McGoldrick, magical. Billy Sharp. Scores goals. John Lundstrom, debatable. Greedy bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, couldn't resist. Marvin Johnson. Let's Marvin J and get it on. Vomit marvellous. Now, honestly, I think it's been, as as always when we do this, um, we don't enjoy talking about us losing. Uh, We certainly don't enjoy imagining what Liverpool could do to us. And we do not believe pay-per-view and Project Big Picture is anything we want a part of. But... We're talking about great things. We're not fair weather podders, are we, Dan? No, absolutely not. And I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday because I enjoy watching football. Not as much as I used to, but I still enjoy it. And talking about some of those players, I hope you all agree that what we all think is maybe some of our first team 
deserve a bit more respect from our fans because we certainly think they do. Um, and we need to get behind them. And although we can't be there, maybe if we've had a bad result on Saturday, we should all, because we'll have probably all had a drink come half nine, ten o'clock on Saturday, should maybe put us phones down and get off of Facebook groups, Twitter, WhatsApp groups, and and and, and avoid slagging off these players that have got us where we are. Because let's be honest, could be a lot worse, couldn't it? Because I heard it's still minus... What's temperature in S6, Ian? At minus four. Ah, freezing. If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put the pub on. I'm Jason Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to find me, right. Well, I'll take Peroni as well. <laughs>